Okay, tonight I want to talk about being mindful. Who's heard of the word mindfulness or being mindful? Yes. <laughs> yeah, well I want to look at it. It's kind of a, a pretty popular word at the moment, but I want to look at it from God's point of view because sometimes the world takes these things yes. and they just use it to their own benefit. You know, like the rainbow, mm. things like that. They kind of take the things of God and claim it for themselves. So. I want to talk about being mindful tonight. Now, there's sayings like, have you ever heard these sayings? Mind your manners. Mind your manners. Mind your P's and Q's. Mind how you go. Mind yourself. Have you heard all those sayings? That's talking about being aware of what's going on around you or just being wise about um, the way you talk or the way you conduct yourself and it's also as a safety measure sometimes. So mindfulness or being mindful means being alert, being aware, being focused or paying attention. So I hope you guys are going to be mindful tonight. Yeah, um, Mindful is um, very, um, it's a protective measure as well. If you're not mindful of things that are going on around you or things that you're doing, can be quite harmful, even in the smallest way. Okay, I'll give you an example. Since I was a kid, my nickname has always been Little Miss Band-Aid. Okay? <laughs> and I brought a new knife the other day, and I was cutting up something, and I wasn't being mindful of what I was doing, and of course I cut my finger. I'm always cutting myself, you know? And that's a simple example of being mindful, paying attention. So we need to pay attention in the small things and in the bigger things, all right? If you're out on the road driving, you need to be mindful of everyone who's around you. You need to be mindful of yourself, that you're focused. If you're crossing the road, you need to be mindful that you don't have earbuds in and you just, you know, sort of listening to the music and you step out in front of a car. So I saw that happen the other day. I saw this teenage girl on a skateboard with things in her ears and she almost got hit. It was so close. She went tumbling and the skateboard went flying and she grabbed the things out of her ears and went, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh. But, I mean, she was just totally mindless at the time. So you have to be um, aware that's what mindfulness means. Paying attention and being focused. So. When they talk about, when the world or secular humanists or even other religions talk about mindfulness, what are they talking about? They're usually talking about being mindful of yourself. Okay, It's totally self-conscious and totally self-focused. In fact, some of them say it's about being present. You heard that? It's about being present in the now. Well, of course we're present, of course we're in the now. But there's a focus on that and you being mindful of you and everything that's going on in you and for you and around you without being aware of God, okay? So it's about paying attention to yourself and about being self-conscious. Modern psychology calls it a psychological process, okay? And it's about awareness, but totally self-awareness. So I want to look at it from the point of view of being aware of God. But before I want to do, um, talk about us being mindful of God, is God mindful? You know, is God mindful? Is he? Well, let's see. In Psalm 8, uh, you know, King David was one of those guys, one of those worshippers who was very mindful of the Lord, very aware. 
he paid a lot of attention to his relationship with the Lord. And then he wrote this beautiful psalm. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? So David is looking, he's probably lying out in the fields, or he's laid out in the fields, uh, taking care of his father's sheep. And he's looked, every night he lays under the stars, and he looks up and he sees the beautiful heavens, the moon and the stars. Have you ever laid down on the ground and just looked up in the sky? It's just so beautiful. That's what he's saying. Lord, when I consider this, when I think about all this, when I look at all of this beauty, all of this majesty, all this vastness and greatness of the universe. What are we? What's a person? What am I that you even think about us? You know, he was feeling so small and so limited. But he's saying, God, you made all these amazing things by your choice and you've also chosen to visit us. You've chosen to pay attention to us. You've chosen to spend time with us. Isn't that absolutely amazing? And so he was just writing that down. And he's saying, that's your choice. You chose to do that. What is man that you are mindful of him and that you visit us? What an amazing choice to make. Sometimes we only choose what we think is smart, wonderful, beautiful, attractive, or whatever, or worth our time. But God, he's mindful of every single person and he visits every single person as well. And this was kind of astounding to David. Then we go into Psalm 139, another wonderful, wonderful psalm. And talking about mindful, how God is mindful of us. I'm not going to read the whole psalm, but at the beginning it says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. That's how mindful he is. He searches us. He looks deep into us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we're capable of. He knows our weaknesses, his strengths. He knows everything about us. Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. He's saying God knows every little detail. He's familiar with everything. And this is not just for David. This is for every single one of us. He knows when we sit down. He knows when we stand up. He knows when we're happy. He knows when we're sad. He knows everything. He is acquainted with all of our ways. He's acquainted with all of our ways. And then we go down to verse 4. For there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. <laughs> Think about it. A word on my tongue. A word on your tongue is one that hasn't been spoken yet. When it's out of your mouth, it's spoken. But a word on your tongue hasn't even been spoken. And yet he knows it. Lord, there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before. In other words, you are all around me. You cover me. You're my rear guard. You go before me. You stand beside me. You've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. In other words, I feel 
I don't just know or hear that you're with me. I actually feel your presence. Mm. You've laid your hand upon me. Mm. You know, when someone touches you, they put their hand upon you. You feel that. And he could feel the hand of God upon his life. How mindful God was of him. You know, the hand of God is upon you. As you sit here, right now, tonight. The hand of God is on you when you go to work tomorrow, when you go to school tomorrow. The hand of God is there. And he's hedged you around. He's mindful of you. Okay? And then he says, it is high. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. In other words, I can't even understand. It's so wonderful and so amazing, I can't even really comprehend it. It is high. I cannot attain it. I can't totally understand it. Can't totally understand how much God loves me. How much he thinks about me. How much he cares about me. And then we go down to verse 17. And he actually really speaks to the thoughts of God. He says, how precious also are your thoughts to me. Not your thoughts for me or your thoughts about me, but your thoughts to me. The thoughts of God are coming to us. And he understood that. He comprehended that. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God? How great is the sum of them? How great is the sum of them? If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I'm awake, I'm still with you. <laughs> I love that verse. How precious are the thoughts of God. How great. You know, sometimes kids say, you know, you say, oh, I love you. And they go, how much? How much do you love me? And they go, this much, this much. And then they also say, how much do you love me? And they say, to the moon and back. <laughs> to the moon and back. You know, it's like you can't even count it. You can't number it. How great. The love is. And that's what he's saying. Your thoughts to me cannot be counted. That's how much. Can't even count like sand. Think about all the sand at the beach. Think about all the sand under the ocean. Think about all the sand in your shoes. <laughs> you know, can't be counted. And he says, when I awake, I'm still with you. Doesn't matter if he's awake or he's asleep. God is still thinking about him. God is still beaming down his thoughts to us, even when we're asleep. You know, he thinks about us far, far more than we think about him. You know? Half the time we forget about God during the day. When things are going on and we're under incredible stress and we're busy and we're doing what we need to do and we're locked in to what the world is requiring of us in our jobs or our studies, you know, we do forget God. We're only human. We do forget God. You know, people sometimes come to me and they say, can you pray for me? And I go, well, have you prayed for yourself? And they go, no. Like they forgot. And that's, we do that sometimes. We do. We don't think about God the way he thinks about us. He's ever mindful of us. How mindful? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 10. This is what he said. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin. Now how mindful is that? I mean, God of the universe knows the price of two sparrows. He knows every little detail. 
and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. So even when a little sparrow, like the most insignificant bird, dies, God knows. And then he says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So every single hair on your head is numbered. He knows. He knows every cell in our body. He knows every hair on our head. He knows every fear that we have. He knows every doubt. He knows every joy. He knows every dream that we have. The hairs on your head are all numbered, so do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. He's saying, look, if God knows when one sparrow falls down to the ground, how much more valuable are you than many sparrows? You matter. You matter. You matter to God. You may not feel that you matter to people very much, but you matter to God. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 1. This is an amazing scripture. Luke chapter 1. This is when Mary has gone to meet Elizabeth, her cousin. And uh, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. And Mary is pregnant with um, Jesus at this time. Just. And this is what she says. My soul magnifies the Lord. And this is just a young girl. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. So basically Mary's saying, look, you know what? I was actually a nobody. I was just a young girl. And yet I've been chosen to be the mother of Jesus, the mother of the Messiah. He's regarded, God has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, and then she gets this revelation of how mindful God has been of her. She said, behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. What a, what a um, brave statement that is. She's just this young girl who's had this uh, dramatic event happen. And yet she's saying, I'm really a nobody. He's regarded my lowly state. I'm just a humble young girl. And yet... All generations are going to call me blessed because God has been mindful of me. Verse 49 says, He who is mighty has done great things for me. So she just doesn't doesn't understand that it's for the whole world. She actually understands that God has actually done this for her. I mean, who is she? Who are you? Nobody knows you, nobody knows her, and yet God has regarded her lowly state. Regarded her lowly state. And then she says, all generations are going to call me blessed. And at this particular time, they would have been calling her cursed because she was unmarried at the time. She was betrothed, okay? So she's basically prophetically declaring, I'm going to be called blessed. I'm going to be called blessed. Because he who is mighty has been mindful of me and he's done great things for me. How awesome is our God. He chooses the lowly ones. He chooses the little guys. He chooses the unknowns. He chooses the insignificant ones, the humble ones. And she was extremely thankful and she was extremely grateful. And he was mindful of her state. 
Um, she said, he's done it for me. You know, and he, he had removed her shame. Okay? He removed her shame. And it's interesting, if you go through Matthew chapter 1, if you look at the genealogy or the family line, the family tree of Jesus Christ, you will find in there Rahab, the prostitute. Okay? God is so mindful of people that he allowed a former prostitute to be in the family tree of the perfect, pure, holy Messiah. How awesome is God? How awesome is our God? He's a redeemer. That's what he is. He's mindful of why people are in the situation they're in. But he's also mindful that they can be born out of it. Okay, talking about situations, Job, the book of Job. Job was in a situation. He was a godly man, and yet the, he was struck down by um, physical ailments. God allowed it. And sometimes God allows things in our lives and we just don't understand why. And we go through um, valleys, valleys of just um, feeling challenged, valleys of sorrow, valleys of struggle. But God is always available. And this is what Job said, I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone, for my days are but a breath. He's basically saying, I hate my life and I want to die. I hate my life and I want to die. And you know what? Some of us have said that too. I hate my life and I want to die. But God was so mindful of him and he revealed himself. And then Job gets this revelation. He says, what is man that you should exalt him? That you should set your heart on him? That you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? So even in his agony, even in his anguish, he was mindful of God. And he was aware that God was mindful of him. He said, I know that you visit us. Why do you set your heart on us? He's saying basically, I feel lousy, get away from me, God. You know? And we've said that sometimes, Lord, just let me go, let me go. Let me go to sleep and not wake up. You know? And that's probably how he felt. But then he says, you've set your heart on us. You visit us every morning. You test us every moment. Does that mean God tests you the way that if... Everyone hates tests. Everyone hates tests. This is not about God testing and testing and testing as like a punishment or an assessment. This is God testing as if trying to see if we will respond. He will test. You know, the way that a, a mother will test water to see if it's the right temperature to bathe the baby in it. You test the waters, okay? So he's testing us in the same way. And Job was beginning to get that revelation. This is right at the beginning of the book of Job. And he comes through this um, incredible experience to realise that he knew about God, but he didn't really know God. And so he became mindful of the Lord towards the end of the book. Okay, let's go over to Psalm 115. You know, you, you might think, wow, why does she say so many scriptures? Why does she say so many scriptures? I only have like a handful each time. But I don't just share one scripture, okay? 
I have listened to many preachers and honestly, personally, when they share from one verse, a whole sermon from one verse, it bothers me. That's just me personally. Because I believe that we need to have a mind full. To be mindful of God and His Word, we need to have a mind full of His Word. And that's why I share um, more than one scripture every time. So at least maybe you can hang on to one of them. So in Psalm 115, again, Psalm, the Lord has been mindful of us. So this is speaking not just, this is one of the, um, speaking not to just to individuals and not just acknowledging it personally, but speaking corporately. The, the Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. In other words, the psalmist is not just saying, look, God's mindful of me because, you know, I'm a bit better than you. I worship more than you do. I pray more than you do. No, <laughs> that's not what he's saying. He's saying God is mindful of every single one of us, both the small and great. Those who've known the Lord for a long time, those who've just met the Lord. Maybe you haven't even met the Lord yet, but he's still mindful of every single one of us. That's the goodness of God. And this is, um, a good leader will remind people, okay? A good leader will not point out the people's faults. A good leader will remind you that God loves you, that God is merciful, that he has a wonderful plan for your life, that there's a way out of the darkness, that there's a way out of the snare that the enemy may have set for you. You know, a good leader will remind the people that God is mindful of you. You know, the gospel, it's called the gospel because it means good news. Gospel means good news. So I want to tell you good news, all right? Good news is God loves you. And we need to be reminded because sometimes we're distracted, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we measure our smallness against the greatness of others. We compare ourselves with others. You know, we are taught to compete with others. And it makes life very difficult for us. So here, the psalmist is saying the Lord has been mindful and he will be. He has blessed and he will continue to bless. So don't give up on him. In Jeremiah chapter 29, this verse, we, we know this, we've been over and over this, but I want to attack it from a different point of view tonight. This is showing the mindfulness and the goodness, the mercy and the grace of God displayed in the Old Testament. A lot of people think the Old Testament is just fire and brimstone and the judgment of God. And they don't like the Old Testament. I love it, okay? Because in the Old Testament, you see incredible grace and incredible mercy and incredible goodness. And right here, Jeremiah the prophet is telling the people, this is what God has shown me. And this was a very disobedient group of people, extremely disobedient, okay? God allowed the Babylonians to come and take them captive for 70 years. They were that bad. You know, when you're bad, your mum or dad might say, go to your room. But this was like, for 70 years, go to you. <laughs> so it was pretty drastic. But then, verse 11, Thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, 
I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So here, God is saying, even though you've been disobedient, and even though you will suffer the consequences and you will experience the punishment, even so, I am mindful of you. Even so, I care about you. Even so, I'm going to bring you back here and you're going to know my peace. You're going to know my goodness. You're going to have a future. You're going to have a hope. Because I'm mindful of you. That's how good the Lord is. Despite the shortcomings, and despite the disobedience, God has set his heart on his people. And sometimes we forget that. We think, well, I didn't do this right, or I didn't do enough of that, so I guess God's going to you know, be disappointed in me. No, he set his heart. He set his heart upon us. He loves us. He's going to deliver us. He's going to heal us. He's going to help us. You know, no one is going to care more about your life. No one's going to care more about your life than he does. No one. Not your best friend, not your husband, not your wife, not your kids. Him. He's going to care more than anyone about your life. Okay, the last verse I want to go to. So we've talked about the mindfulness of God, but what about our mind? What about us being mindful of him? You know, sometimes we can pray, we can read the word, and feel like we want to be mindful of the Lord and get connected to him, and yet we, even when we pray, we can be anxious. Even when we read the word, we can it can just be words that kind of bounce off, and they don't relate to us, we can't relate to them, you know? But I feel like when we worship, there's just a special place. Worship and singing to the Lord, it's just a, there's just a special um, dynamic to it. And as we are mindful of Him, this is what it says in Isaiah 26, You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. So as we are mindful of Him, not ourselves, as we're not worrying and we're not anxious and we are praying, fretting and fearing as we pray, as we worship, and I believe this, I personally believe this, that as we worship and as we sing to the Lord, that anxiety goes and his peace comes in that quietness, in that secret place with the Lord. He gives us that perfect peace. Let's just close our eyes. Thank you, Lord. You know, many times in the book of Psalms, the Psalms were sung over the people. And we're talking about being mindful. We believe that God is mindful of us. Because we're mindful of Him. He will give us that perfect peace. And I know that each and every one of us needs a greater measure of His peace right now. 
I just want to share with you a song that the Lord gave me when I was worshipping Him. It comes from that very scripture I just read. And as I began to sing that, He gave me Psalm 23 in a different form. It just came, it came, it came. As I was being mindful of Him. I will keep you in perfect peace as your mind is stayed on me. I will lead you beside the still waters. I will make you to lie down in great pastures. I will Thank you. 